Aloha and Happy New Year. This is Adder Talon calling from the mighty warship Abraham Lincoln. Sorry I've been gone for a while, but I'm deployed to the Arabian Gulf, so I really have not been listening to the Order 66 podcast. Good luck to you all, and thanks. Hey, it's Jawas 8 My Jedi. Hey, I'm calling from a concrete cruiser here, but <laughs> I wanted to wish everybody happy holidays and uh, hope everybody had a great one. And uh, I know Sterling Hershey mentioned this a while ago about the uh, Star Wars Essential Atlas. I highly recommend getting it for anybody that uh, needs background for uh, doing games. Uh, there's a lot of info in there. And I have to get one for Christmas, and I wish I'd, got, I'd gotten it sooner. I know there's not any books being produced out there, but uh, you know that'd be be something to get to help supplement your uh, GM and tools. Guys, have a good one. Thank you. Hello, this is Douglas N, and this is most of my gaming group. I'm Pierre. I'm Loba. I'm Andrew. I'm Aaron. And we would like to wish the Order 66 podcast a happy new year. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute order 66. Coming at you live on Ustream and by podcast at d20radio.com. This is the Order 66 Podcast, brought to you by MapsOfMastery.com. Welcome back to a brand new year, 2011, January the 9th, 2011 specifically, and you're back for episode number 125 of the Order 66 podcast. It's official. We're one quarter of the way to episode 500. Yippee. Whoa. Yes. So, uh, I need to send a shout out overseas, Outer Talon, the first, to my knowledge, liner ever left from an active military service member on a nuclear vessel. On a nuclear vessel? I believe so. If he was on board the Abraham Lincoln, that's pretty dang cool. So That's pretty cool. For 2011, we're going to dedicate all our shows to all our brave men and women fighting in the armed forces, wherever they may be. Those of I you, like this idea. Those of you in Kandahar, under the command of Colonel Stephen Fallenkamp. <laughs> <laughs> my condolences. That's my cousin. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. So, yeah, for, for those who may be wondering, uh, you know, who we are and what we're talking about, um, what is up, Gamer Nation? Uh, I am GM Chris, and this is the Order 66 podcast, the only podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And um, who might you be, my my erstwhile companion? Ah, yes, my name would be GM Dave, or as they say in the common vernacular, I am Batman. They don't, they don't say that in the common vernacular. Oh, no, they don't. You're right. Sorry. But, but, but in your fevered dreams, my friend. In, in our fevered dreams. Indeed. I am the knight. 
I am Batman. <laughs> Happy New Year, dude. How was your New Year? Uh, it was good. Uh, you know, my my lovely darling daughter and I went to Orlando for Ooh. the uh, Disney Showcase Tournament, the arguably the biggest soccer tournament in the nation for college scouts and things of that nature. Right, right, right. And her team managed to win the whole tournament. Oh. Which was good, and uh, Taylor had herself a a whale of a game, and was contacted by St. Mary's out of California, my alma mater, University of Texas. Oh, but that made you happy. Ah, uh, yes, it did. And um, anyway, she's got, um, you know, they can't they can't actually talk to her for a couple more years until September first of her junior year. Uh, but they, what they could do is say, hey, we'd like you to come on and fill this questionnaire out and invite, we're inviting you to our summer camp. So that's, well, you know, that's how it gets started. She's on the recruiting list for these colleges now. So that's a good deal. Spiffy diffy. That's huge, man. Yeah, it's amazing. So Good on her. Good on her. That's right. So, you know, she's a hoss back there. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's you so guys. Awesome. You guys can check out my Facebook page for pictures of uh, what she did during the tournament. So, oh, what's your Facebook address? GM Dave, uh, Dave the photographer, actually. Dave the photographer, all one word. Yep. Done. Yep. Done. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So we get started with this. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisition. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Yes. All right. Yes. Featured podcast this week. It has been a while. It has been a while. This should be the featured podcast this month. Uh, okay, so if you thought uh, four ep- four hour episodes were only for the Order sixty think uh, sixty six podcast, think again. Oh no, yes, think again. Uh, we have been remiss in not reminding our listeners about Chronicles, the Pathfinder podcast, quickly becoming probably the second, and will probably overtake, being that their RPG is like still in production, probably overtake our listenership very soon. Very soon, yes, if not already. Yep. <laughs> Episode 11, Realm of the Fel Knight Queen, is a massive episode that sees uh, interviews with Fel Knight Queen author and winner of 2009's RPG Superstar Award, Neil Spicer. And uh, the hosts also finish up their talk of NeonCon, discuss their use of tabletop projectors in their games, dig into sundering rules, and uh, get into a new character concept build, the Dervish Princess. Ah, uh. that's right. So there's this, and there's a whole lot more pepper in this long and epic episode. Very good episode. You guys check it out. Matt. Neil Spicer's a pimp. He, it was a great interview. A couple interviews they had with him, yeah. Yeah, pimp it out, baby. So check this out and all the podcasts like it at d20radio.com. I got a note today that our Serenity podcast is in production and very soon to debut. Oh, gosh, I can't wait. Yes. Oh, love it. 
Love it, love it, love it. Uh, okay, juicy bits of web goodness, Gamer Nation. We got a, we got a good amount for you uh, this week. To start it off with, we got to, to, to talk about the new Kickstarter project that's come out from Christopher West. Awesome. Oh, so show sponsor, cartographer extraordinaire, Mr. Christopher West of Maps of Mastery. He whets our appetites yet again with a new set of maps, which he's funding via Kickstarter. Uh, the yes. Deep Vistas collection is this set of three double-sided maps that Chris wants to bring to the public. And it's underground areas, slave pits, dark temples, um, even this massive bridge that spans over this lava flow. Um, he, he created these with fantasy in mind, but if any Star Wars player looks at these, there's, there's no way you couldn't not put these in a Star Wars game. Most of them will fit incredibly easily. Mustafa. Um, yeah, exactly. And then they're, they're gorgeous. Um, they'd work in nearly any campaign for nearly any system. So he's trying to get them out there. Now, this is an ambitious Kickstarter project, okay? It's got a pretty high goal. And he's on his way, but he needs our help. So what, what can you do? You can pre-order via Kickstarter. One, one double-sided map for only 14 bucks. Two of them for 26 And all three, that's all six maps, for $36. Um, they're wicked, they're cool, uh, and of course, if you pre-order through the Kickstarter program, shipping is free yeah. and included in that pre-order, naturally, awesome. even overseas. Oh! Yes. So, very cool. Again, this is a really ambitious project for Maps of Mastery, and, and Chris needs our help to make it happen, so head over to the D20 Radio forums right now, d20radio.com slash forum, where you can find in every forum there a global announcement detailing this program, or head over to mapsofmastery.com. That's right. All right. So, um, yeah, drop your big bomb of holiday cheer on all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. So most recently, Sterling uh, gives us an inside glimpse into the mind of a developer and how he creates species for Saga. So using his knowledge, that was, I almost didn't hear the cough. Using his knowledge, almost, sorry. he then presents his version of the Shevin species for all of us to enjoy and you lore, yay and my dad that was a good article he's like hey this is how i make a species and this is the kind of thought process i put into it and here's the resources i use yeah. to do it and hey let's do it let's make this heaven yeah exactly. <laughs> it was great yep so uh yeah you know and then he backed that up with another adventure module for saga oh that's awesome dude yeah. it was a good mod too unlikely allies um, it was this module he wrote some time ago to coincide with the release of the KOTOR campaign guide and now he's just, you know, being the guy he is, making it available to all of us um, obviously this module is set in the KOTOR era and it delves deep into the lore of the first video game um, one of the six pregens for the module is even a Jal Shea which we, we covered in our last episode the funny thing was we got, a, we got an email from him like the day after our Jal Shea show it was a morning of yeah and, uh, yeah, just uh, basically him rolling over laughing that we covered the Jal Shea right as he was re- writing one into a module. That's hilarious. And he pimped us out in that blog, by the way, so thank you, Sterling. But you can download that module as well as check out all the other cool, amazing stuff Sterling gives us at his own blog right now at www.sterlinghershey.com. Dot com. Dot com. All right, so uh, we mentioned Sorry. earlier... Hit me, dude. Hit me. Um, I know you're excited about this. We mentioned earlier about Old School coming over in two weeks. 
for the Super Bowl. Well, you know, the the other thing happening in the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth, for those of you listening in other places, the other thing happening in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is D20 RadioCon on the Saturday before the Super Bowl. That's and right. that, it will be happening at the Reaper Miniatures facility in Denton, Texas. And it is a combination D20 RadioCon miniatures tournament featuring the new mini sets that Brev has out. V-sets, oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, my 40th birthday party. Oh. Uh, so. You know, you know how tickled I am that you said, you know what, I'm turning 40 and uh, this is what I want to do. I just want to have a giant gaming day at Reaper. Yeah, that's pretty cool actually. You know, my wife has actually agreed to be there and, uh, and hang out for a little while as long as we can play Ticket to Ride. Oh, I have no doubt we'll play Ticket to Ride. That's like her, her favorite little game now. Is she loves Ticket to Ride. She she um, she actually has gotten into uh, Pandemic. Ooh, and um, and of course, you know, a couple other non non you know non standard good board games. But you know, hey, they're all right. Very uh, cool. So I'm I'm totally excited about this. I can't wait. Um, but I, I know it's short notice, guys. We didn't really announce this until um, post show last episode. Um, but in any event, if you guys are going to be in the DFW area, it's going to be crazy during Super Bowl weekend. But if you're going to be here for it or near it or live nearby and you would like to, to, to hop on over on Saturday, uh, right around noon, we're going to gather at the Reaper Minis facility in Denton, Texas, and we're going to play until they kick us out. That's right. Those of you that are coming from out of town, drop me an email and uh, Friday night, we can actually have a little gathering at my house. That would be nice. That's right. That's going to be very nice. Yep. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. lot. Okay. And uh, we have this. This is a Holonet News Network investigative report. I'm Luke Lowbrow. Tonight, we examine the religious practices of droids. Droid scientists have uncovered irrefutable evidence that droids celebrate the holiday known as Christmas. Artu, where are you? Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase vector. It's your Christmas present. Let me see. We have a scarf for Skywalker, right? Yes. And perfume for the princess? Yes, yes, yes. What about Han Solo? Couldn't we get him here? That leaves one big problem. The Wookiee. Couldn't we get him a comb? He gave him a comb last year. What can you get? A wooden for Christmas when he already owns a comb. We now know that they exchange gifts, petition a person named Santa Claus for free goods, and fret about Wookiee grooming habits. These facts have opened a Pandora's box of questions about droids and religion. Why would they not be celebrating something called Thank the Maker Day? Our first conclusion was to assume that the droids were only executing holiday programming behavior subroutines. But who in their right mind would program a droid to follow them around and parrot back their own religious beliefs? They're not churchy Cylons here, they're droids. Let there be no confusion about that fact. Isn't it odd that all droids seem to execute Christmas programming, even though they may have an owner who's a Wookiee who celebrates Life Day? 
we have to conclude that at some level they are genuinely celebrating the holiday. If this is true, can we assume that droids are in fact Christians? Do they believe they have a soul and that they are in need of a savior? What would a droid sin even look like? Or maybe they are merely celebrating a secular version of Christmas. Perhaps they've made a logical calculation and picked the holiday that will yield the highest quantity of presents. They could be working under the assumption that statistically Christmas will yield more than eight presents and is therefore a holiday of choice. Hypothetically, they could have picked Hanukkah, could they not? Just because we've not discovered any vinyl audio recordings of droids singing Hanukkah songs doesn't mean there isn't one out there floating through space, right? So if a droid can be Jewish, how do you circumcise a droid? Do droids even have foreskin? Is foreskin a feature that has to be purchased when you get a new droid? Why would you pay for droid foreskin if you're just going to cut it off? Astromech droids come with a device called a Scomp Link, which is a long metal cylinder used to interface with mainframe computers. Can a Scomp Link be circumcised? On that note, we here at the Holonet News Network have come to the conclusion that there are some things in this galaxy that we just don't want to know. This has been a Holonet News Network investigative report. I'm Luke Lowbrow. Wow. Yeah. Something. Um, <clears throat> wow. Wow. Um, I, I just, I don't know what to say. Wow. Not Although sure next either. time we're end up, we're playing a game and somebody has an R2 unit and he slices into something, you know, pulls out a scump link. Uh, I think I'm going to have uh, an NPC pop a look over and go, Oh, Oh, you're Jewish. <laughs> 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 oh, mercy. That is so, yeah. Uh-huh. D20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Welcome to the D20 Ducking Bay. This is where we answer listener questions submitted via email, voicemail, Skype, text, Twitter, PM, forum post. Carrier pigeon. I mean, lots of things. Candygram. (laughs) Yeah, candygram. That'd be awesome. Um, One thing that we probably won't play on the show are voicemail questions that are a minute and a half long. Yeah, not commonly no. And we did get one um, from from who sent it? Was it uh, Darth pseudonym? A pseudonym, dude. Long question, dude. Long question. Try and, and keep your questions thirty seconds or less if you can, yeah, and that well, will ensure that you get them show uh, played. And I do want to play it, um, just not this episode because it actually fits perfectly with an upcoming episode we have planned. Um, so that's yeah. when it's going to be played. That's right. Um, so Cyril's in the chat saying, "So, so what's this episode? Uh, uh, circumcisions and circuits?" Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man! See, we already have see, we already have an episode title right there. Bam! Uh, 
I, I don't know if I want to put that in the episode title. But nah, we'll, I mean, no. <laughs> we'll see. So I'm sorry for the derail. Okay, Docking Bay, dude. Questions, questions, questions. What do we got, man? What, All lay, right. it, lay it on me. Lay so, it on first me. questions. Uh, this is, um, of course, hot on the heels of some of our droid discussions. Sneaky Arrow posts up a question about a droid helper he's trying to build uh, to his character, right? He says, I'm making a droid helper for my scoundrel mechanic. Ooh. I'm having trouble making the one I've envisioned and have some questions about tiny droids. I want to make a tiny, hovering, second-degree mechanic droid. My first question is how many appendages or accessories or stuff like that can it have? This brings me to my second question. In many places, it states that the weight of certain items is relying upon the cost factor of the droid, and I want to make sure a tool appendage doesn't weigh the same as one for a heavy droid or something like that. Tacos. Sneaky arrow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tacos, he's in the chat. Sneak tacos, sneaky arrow. See, that's tacos. A new, that that was a new one right there. We've had uh, uh, we've had we've had we lots of thanks. We've had sex in advance, and now tacos. Ta- oh, I love it. Well, what you want to do, arrow, sounds really cool. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be easy. It would be a lot easier if you wanted to make a small droid, uh, but tiny size that just complicates things. Uh, creating an NPC droid, which is what a tiny droid has to be, according to the core rules. Um, is an expensive proposition. Tiny droids have a times five cost modifier, my friend. This means that every accessory, appendage, system, or piece of internal equipment costs five times what it normally does. Now, as for the weight of such things, to your second question, the errata clarified quite a bit of confusion by noting that droids that are small size or smaller treat their cost factor as being equal to two divided by their listed cost factor for the strictly for the purposes of accessory weight. Okay, how many appendages and systems can you add? Well, there really is no restriction. You're constrained only by your carrying capacity, which is half of normal for a tiny droid. Your tiny droid um, also suffers a minus four to strength, and so on average, it, it's probably going to have a strength of eight or less. This means a max capacity of about 32 kilos and an encumbrance weight, which you do not want to exceed, of about 16 kilos. And that's kind of the limit of what you can throw on your droid. Um, now, your primary locomotion and processor will not count towards that, so you got weight for whatever else you want to install. Tool appendages weigh about um, eight-tenths of a kilo, uh, plus whatever's attached to them. Uh, claws and hands are going to weigh two kilos each. So there you go. Um, now, that's if you're creating a droid from scratch, man. Obviously, one of the easiest ways to do this is to take an existing tiny droid, file off the serial numbers, strip out the locomotion system, and throw on some hovering locomotion. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to do it. It'll probably, in the long run, be the most cost-effective solution. So, that's our recommendation. Mostest. Mostest cost-effectivist. So, yeah. There we go. All right. Sounds good to me, man. All right, so um, we have another question, not droid-related, but uh, John H. has a question about the aid another action. Okay. And uh, his question is, uh, do all the modifiers for the aid another action stack? Specifically, I'm looking at aiding an attack roll and suppressing an enemy. I'm guessing they would, since it doesn't say otherwise. So five stormtroopers aiding a sixth guy would add plus ten to his attack roll. Pretty nasty. And, well... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is nasty. And yes, and eight and other actions from multiple sources do stack. Um, this is why a legion of clone troopers can kill a Jedi Master. Uh, 
Uh, why do they stack? Because per page 151 of the core rulebook, the bonuses provided via eight another are untyped bonuses. As you know, Dave, um, you know, multiple bonuses of the same type don't stack, with the exception of dodge and circumstance bonuses, and untyped bonuses, of course. Um, pretty much, I mean, this is a common tactic for any savvy GM who wants to stick it to players that are facing lower level threats, and it's extremely helpful against Jedi who have block and deflect. Um, or in starship combat, where capital ships suffer a, a nasty minus 20 to attack snub fighters. This is why they have gun batteries, folks. Gun so, yeah. batteries. They, they, they stack. They stack. That, but, that, I mean, in the films, that's how capital ships are able to eventually pick off snub, snub fighters. And also how, uh, uh, you know, a squad of stormtroopers or clone troopers can, can totally pwn a Jedi Master, you know, with the combined penalties from block and deflect cumulative, not to mention the aid and other action to overcome their super high use of force check. And that's how you do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't aid another very often, Dave. I don't know why. I don't think it's sexy enough. It's, it's, not, it's not sexy enough in combat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Everybody wants to be the one to swing their vibroax and deal 80 points of damage. Yeah, and yeah, that's me, actually. That was pointed at me. Mm-hmm. Precisely pointed at me. So, yeah. But it's, it's a marvelous tactic. Savvy players and smart parties will use it um, because 80 points of damage is great unless you're not hidden. Marvelous. Mm-hmm. Marvelous. Marvelous. All right, so uh, Ray Ray Boxer is the next one now. Okay. Uh, question on uh, prerequisites and um, substitution talents. So he writes, um, there are a few talents and feats which state the character is considered trained in a particular skill once they take one of these. Most state this in regards to a certain application of the skill in question, but some don't have those qualifiers. One example of what I'm thinking about is the Force Pilot Talent core rulebook page 101 which states that a character is considered to be trained in the pilot skill my question is does that mean that by taking uh, a talent or feat like this you meet the prerequisite of the talent feat or prestige class that requires you to be trained in that skill or do these substitution talents and feats simply let you make trained skill checks that you normally wouldn't be able to make for example, would my PC with Force Pilot now be able to take vehicular combat feet and levels in Ace Pilot, or would I now just be able to increase vehicle speed, a trained-only application of the skill? Thanks, or sex in advance, for any answers that you can give. Yeah. Okay, dude. Um, <clears throat> all the various substitution talents let you do is replace one skill for another in virtually every way. You've always got to be trained in the new skill um, to, er, uh, to, to get the substitution talent. So the tagline that you're calling out simply reminds the player that your training in the substituted skill carries over to the skill you're replacing in every sense of the word. So yes, this means that you just flat out substitute your checks. Yes, it means you can qualify for the ace pilot in vehicular combat, um, uh, ace pilot um, prestige class in vehicular combat feat. By taking Force Pilot, for example, it also means that you can use trained-only applications of the pilot skill to carry over your example in the question. Yep. So it means all these things. Literally, it, it's just it, it allows you to replace one skill for another in every way possible. Boom. There you, there you go. All right, uh, Green Lantern has a question. 
I I I no. I, I think that's I think that's the Liz man. Oh, Green Lizard. Yeah. Okay. Green Lizard returns with a question on uh, confusing force power. Yeah. How does force whirlwind work exactly? In our last encounter, one of our Jedi used it, and he had he and a GM were a bit confused about the rules. Is it a move action to sustain, and each round they take damage, or is it a standard action each round, and they just can't move until you stop sustaining it? Then they fail. Then they fall and take damage. Or is it something else entirely? Thanks in advance. Well, Lizard, the Force Whirlwind is one of the more unusual powers out there. Um, it's found in the KOTOR campaign guide for those following along in their storybooks at home. Um, basically, you use the Force to whisk your opponent up in this whirlwind, which immobilizes them until the start of your next, next turn and deals damage, depending on your use the Force check, at the end of your current turn. Immobilization means they're rooted to the square or squares they're in. Uh, they can still act normally, although the power imposes a minus five to any attacks or checks they make while immobilized by the whirlwind. In addition, as you point out, you can sustain the power as a move action on subsequent turns. This means you can keep it going. Okay, rolling a new use the force check each round as a move action to keep the target in the whirlwind. If you're successful, they remain immobilized with penalties to their attacks and checks and again take damage at the end of your turn depending on your use the force check that's it man you can spend a force point if you want when you activate it to boost the minus five mobilization penalty to a minus 10 too and that's pretty cool um this is a cool power it's not commonly taken because it's it's again it's not super amazing um but if you want to hold somebody in place and limit their actions it, it has a lot of benefit to it and the damage is just, just a nice little kicker so cool that's how it works. All right. Next up, we stop down. This is a little bit long, but uh, we will uh, go through the fat raconteur and his species menagerie. Oh. Welcome, Gamer Nation. I'm the Fat Raconteur, and this is the fourth and delayed episode of my Species Menagerie, where we bring species from around the galaxy and study them mercilessly for your gaming needs. There comes a point in every segment writer's life where one has to pay homage to the most badass faction in Star Wars canon. Though our hearts lie with the Jedi and our fists with the Sith, every single part of our Star Wars loving selves aches to be a Mandalorian and this next species will present to you that very opportunity. Open your Galaxy at War books to page 13, and you will see one of the most tremendous species we've analyzed here at the Menagerie ever, the Tong. Mandalore the Ultimate himself would have been proud of the mighty species write-up he and his brethren received. The Tong are potent, powerful, and each member of this species is a well-forged blade tempered by constant trial and combat. Introducing a player to Star Wars RPG? Give them a Tong. The concepts are very simple to grasp. Here's a gun slash axe. Here's some tough armor. And just let nature take its course. 
The tongue, much like the soldier, is a wonderful option to present the player who wants to hurt things and make it feel like role-playing. My character shoots that guy is a very appropriate role-playing choice for a tongue. But onto the numbers. Tongs get that firm constitution bonus at the cost of a charisma penalty. Soldier and Scout are the sound choices, building on that constitution bonus. The tongs that we've experimented on here at the Menagerie are incredibly durable, able to take nearly anything and everything we give them. This durability translates to an out-of-the-factory plus one to all defenses. Combine that with their natural affinity for armor, allowing them to increase their maximum dexterity bonus granted by one, and you have a very, very hard-to-hit opponent. What we enjoyed most while watching this species work was the adaptability of the tongue. Yes, to maximize on their potential, armor is necessary, but definitely not critical. We've started up some tongue that worked devastatingly well without armor. And on that note, we'd like to present the first build that most adequately suits the tongue, and may make a few of the veterans roll their eyes, or even better, reminisce. The tank. The Mandalorians worked hard for that constitution bonus, I assure you, and this build takes full advantage of it. The goal of the tank is simple. Your sturdy armor and stupidly high hit points will simply annoy the hell out of the GM. You will be impossible to hit, and any damage you take will seem like petty cash to the font of vitality that the tongue can draw on. Your first goal is to make yourself hard to hit. Improved defenses is a must, must, must. Toughness adds to this Adonis of builds, and Shake It Off is another brilliant addition. Quick and potent recovery is just as important as avoiding damage, and feats like Fortifying Recovery in Galaxy at War, Recovering Surge in Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, or Extra Second Win are great additions to what is now an impossible-to-kill character. But to completely embody the Mandalorian tank, you must draw on your natural affinity with armor. You need heavy armor proficiency and therefore the armor specialist talent tree is your drink of choice. Second skin only further irritates your opponents, and the armor defenses are a must. There. Simple and clean. Point and shoot. You can't miss for maximum fun with this build, and your first-timers will love treating blaster bolts like feather dusters. The second build we'll be presenting for the Gamer Nation is a role-playing challenge, and a way to expand the soldier's repertoire beyond its inherent hack-and-slash nature. I give you the Honor Bound. This build plays heavily on the Tong's keen sense of justice and honor. We've built a character that maximizes the role-playing nature of the Tong rather than their combative nature. This build draws on my favorite soldier talent in the entire system. Page 28 of the Force Unleashed Campaign Guide. Commanding Presence. As a swift action, all enemies within six squares of you suffer a minus two penalty to their will defense. No questions asked until the end of the encounter. But most importantly, it also makes persuasion a class skill. This talent plus harm's way make for the ultimate bodyguard build with an ability that makes you the noble's best friend in more ways than one. Use the feats mentioned in the first build to make your tongue nigh indestructible, but sacrifice some armor talents like second skin and juggernaut in order to take commanding presence and harm's way. Combat will now have this new dimension of role-playing that the low-skilled soldier never really had access to. Combined with skill-focused persuasion, and you will have on your hands a meat shield that could keep alive a party of level 1 nobles in Jabba's palace. And the imagery is so inspiring. The indestructible Mandalorian who constantly deems that the well-being of their comrades is more important than that of their own. I looked at the tongue as more of a personal challenge to break the soldier mold. The honor-bound build could be used with a lot of species, but it seems to fit the tongue's flavor 
particularly well. Experienced gamers, use your knowledge to do the same if you haven't already. I suggest you give it a shot and take those soldier talents that don't add much damage but add depth. Talents like Dedicated Guardian, Man Down, or even Cover Fire. Soldiers are always more fun to play when you give them something to fight for. Well, that's it for today. Again, if you have any requests, questions, comments, or flattery, please send it all to the Fat Raconteur and a PM on D20 Radio's forums. And until next time, as we say around here, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, just don't be a Gungan. Nice. Beautiful. The Tongs, the Klingons of the Star Wars universe. Ah, uh, indeed. As I uh, was thinking and the chat room was articulating. Uh-huh. All right. It's time for... This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, we got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, what do you know? Oh, so what do we got this week, man? I'm Batman. Or should it be, I'm Batman. I'm Bat-Bot. <laughs> so what is this, being Batman part 87? Or, yeah, or I, I guess like or being Bat-Bot part one? Yeah, Bat-Bot part one, I like it. That's good. Around... Uh, the most interesting piece of droid equipment, a, uh, a, device, uh, a device that actually lets uh, a droid see around corners, the remote viewer. Nice. How about that, huh? So it's a little deal that's made to look like part of the droid's normal sensors. It's externally mounted or even concealed. And the remote viewer is a small, self-constrained visual audio sensor that has its own micro-repulsor lift unit. And uh, the droid, who has it installed, can detach this hovering eye and have it float up to 12 squares away. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And the and droid can see it like it's and hear through it like it's an eye and ear. It's an extension of himself. That's awesome. Yep. Speed of four squares, reflex defense 18, fortitude defense 12. Can run for half an hour, 30 minutes, without having to be returned to the droid's chassis to be recharged for an hour. All right, it's heavy. It's twenty kilos for the full unit, Ooh. but it only costs a thousand credits, which is not bad, considering, considering yeah, considering what it can be used for. So, see around corners, go above walls, through ventilation ducts, gain sight of the target who has cover, or you know some other area specific concealment possibilities here are endless. Find I this, like yep. You find this little cool gadget on page sixty-one of the Scavenger's Guide to Droids. I love it. I challenge the forums right now to get onto the uh, the build section and uh, create Batbot. Create a Batman droid with, with a combination of jump servos, climbing claws, uh, you know, integrated tool mounts. This should not be too terribly difficult, and I really would like someone to see it done. Yeah, me so. too. Me too. Awesome. All right, and uh, the last of our listener segments coming up right now: a fragments from the rim. Ooh, yes, Darth GM. And here we go. 
My lords, welcome to Fragments from the Rim. What is thy bidding, my masters? Welcome to the 70th installment of Fragments from the Rim. I'm Darth GM, and today I find myself drawn back to the Legacy Era Campaign Guide for a great little feat that's not only good in its own right, but makes another classic feat a lot more useful. So let's take a look at Return Fire. To take this feat, you have to choose a specific ranged exotic weapon or a weapon group. This handy little feat states that once per encounter as a reaction, you can make a single ranged attack with your chosen weapon against an enemy that misses you with a ranged attack, provided you have line of sight to that enemy. You need to have a dexterity of 15 to take this feat, as well as the quick draw and weapon focus feats. Not surprisingly, you need to have weapon focus in the same exotic weapon or weapon group as return fire. It also states that this feat cannot be used with vehicle weapons or heavy weapons, and you must have your weapon in hand to use this feat. With these requirements, this feat screams gunslinger. Not only do you need quick draw to be a gunslinger, but a dexterity of 15 or higher is a practically an unspoken requirement for that prestige class. Working in weapon focus into your gunslinger build is pretty easy in most cases, and brings a good benefit in its own to the table. Plus, with a high dexterity and a high class bonus to reflex defense, a gunslinger stands a very good chance of being able to use this feat at least once in every combat encounter. I don't think I've seen a Star Wars game where there wasn't at least one player planning to dip into the Gunslinger Prestige class. I also can't think of a single Gunslinger that wouldn't like to make an extra attack each encounter. Return Fire also has another benefit that beefs up the usefulness of an old favorite feat of mine, Combat Reflexes. If you have Combat Reflexes, you can use Return Fire a number of times during an encounter equal to your Dexterity bonus, but no more than once during a given enemy's turn. Since attacks of opportunity are somewhat few and far between in Saga Edition, anything that can beef up combat reflexes utility is good in my book. That's all for this week and for this year. Until 2011, Gamer Nation, this is Darth GM for Fragments of the Rim, wishing you and yours happy holidays, a great new year, 20 side up, and 1 side down. You have been listening to Fragments from the Rim and Transmission. Obviously he sent that to us before the end of the year. Because we were supposed to have a show. Yeah, but holidays kind of got in the way. Yeah, a little bit. Still a good fragment. Yeah, it was. Servos and seconds. Indeed. Returning to our highly popular Servos and Circus discussion this week, where we take a look at the various degrees of the droids in extended detail. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Gamer Nation, your outpouring on this continues to be massive, and we are happy to return to the discussion. Um, Argyle Jedi, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's asked me twice now to cover fifth-degree droids, and, and we were going to. Uh, we were going to, and then we got literally a whole bunch of other requests to cover uh, fourth-degree droids. Um, many being more than one, so we covered it. And recently, I have received emails from John Wilcox, Kevin J., and Damien the Lesser asking us to please, please, please talk about third-degree droids. <laughs> so again, many is more than one. I'm sorry, Argyle Jedi. Please don't be angry. We're going to get to fifth-degree droids eventually. We're kind of um, going back in order now, so we've done one, yeah. two. Yeah. <clears throat> one, so. two, four, three, sir, three. Okay. Four. Ah, yes. Five. Uh, I know it's five. Don't don't flame me in the chat room, but you know, yeah, it, it fit the discussion. Yeah, even even though your lack of Python protocol, we, we'll we'll make an exception. Right. 
So for our discussion tonight, we are going to be delving into the world of circuit-based protocol and persuasion, the gathering of information and the dispensing of knowledge from the tinny voice of a vocabulator. Tonight, we tackle third-degree droids, boys and girls. So gather together your shiny brass chassis pieces, your timid attitudes, and your translation units. But be sure they're fluent in at least six million forms of communication. Ah, yes. So... Talk to me about the, the life of a third-degree droid, dude. I mean, what, what do we say? Co- camaraderie, commiseration, and communication. Pretty much, dude. So, <laughs> uh, along with a second-degree droid, really, the third-degree shares the uh, limelight as the most recognizable degree of droid in the Star Wars universe. Timid, verbose, masters of communication, obviously fluent in six million forms of communication. Third-degree droids have been built... Um, to serve organics in one, you know, the more basic and essential roles in intergalactic commerce and politics, they're most commonly known as the protocol droid. Yeah. Now, not all third degree droids are actually protocol droids. Right. But most are usually referred to as that. Yeah. So, I mean, actual protocol droids are designed to be masters of linguistics, etiquette, social sciences, but... Third-degree droids of, of many stripes exist with lesser functionality or mildly different roles, and they can serve as knowledge databases, translators, spies, accountants, secretaries, personal servants. I mean, lots of different things you can do with these. And and um, yeah, as you change it, their responsibilities obviously will change along with it. And you know, but you know, the first thing you're going to think of is the three P O series, right? Ah, uh, Cybot Galacticus three P O series, indeed. So, uh, very popular to the cousins of such as the TC, the three PX, the five YQ, and uh, they're widely considered the most advanced human cyborg relations droids on the market for over a hundred years. Yeah. Yep. Noted for massive knowledge, storage capacity, extensive linguistics. Databases 3PO series was reliable, docile, and trusted. Mm. They functioned as diplomatic aides, merchant assistants, masters of organic and technological interface. And they can be found in various roles, various situations, serving as functionaries for powerful crime lords, diplomatic envoys for government powers, or... Technical communicators for the lowliest of moisture farmers. Hmm. Sounds funny. Well, I mean, it's a droid who speaks spotchy. Spotchy. <laughs> Indeed. All right. In Saga, what does that mean? There are scores of, pl- of protocol droids, uh, models that are available out there for any of you who wish to use the option two of droid creation. Uh, for those that want to use option three, then there are two ch- chassis options that are available for third degree droids. Nice. So, how do you role play a third degree droid? Good question. Why would you want to play this droid to begin with? Well, there's two. Um, <clears throat> there's two. I, I guess uh, attitude. This is that we're gonna we're gonna talk about here. Um, ways that you can exemplify a third degree droid, and they're they're very similar, but kind of at odds with each other. And the first one I like to call "I live to serve you." Um, I think three uh, PO exemplifies this. C three PO from the films. I mean, m- more than any other degree of droid. Third-degree droids are designed with organic masters in mind. They're, they're usually given humanoid appearances, personalities that are compliant, helpful, docile, and they have an extreme eagerness to assist their masters. Um, I think protocol droids, what? They're, they're pretty much the most outward suck-ups of the droid world. 
in terms of their relationship to humans. Yeah, and pretty organics. much. Okay, so so what what um, actions do you think you know a player who's wanting to exemplify this personality type for his protocol droid? I mean, how can you see this playing out in the game? What what things can you think that the character would be doing? Oh, you're going to uh, revere your master, mm. and pretty much all organics. You're gonna you'll choose if you have to choose sides. You'll choose sides with the organics. Yeah. Right? Because your view is that we exist to serve our masters. Yeah. So what do you do? You, you'll, you'll chide a droid for failing to communicate with um, or think like an organic. See? I mean, look at the movies, right? C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah, yeah, that classic, what, banter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you never take an action without confirming it first to your organic master. Or bragging about it. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sir, sir, I isolated the reverse power link coupling. Yeah, you're not going to impersonate a deity, as yeah. the Echo Base is, is uh, talking about there. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be passive. So you're not one to um, want to be violent. I mean, heaven forbid you pick up a grenade and throw it to get cleaved by a Wookiee. <laughs> Even in the face of injustice, you will not be violent so always will suggest a solution with the least amount of physical confrontation diplomacy or even surrender so yeah and then you'll follow protocol to a fault i love that one to to a fault that's the that's the um you know not impersonating a deity right there yeah right that's the way out but he still won't do it yes yep so you're blissfully blind to the true organic emotions, state of mind, and this leads to many uh, faux pas on your part. Of course, even though you're trying to help. <laughs> I, like, I like examples of this. Like, like the most common example for this, obviously aside from the not willing to impersonate a deity, is translations, since you know, one of your primary roles is translation. Translations that are too accurate. Yeah. You know what I mean? There you know, you like, like when two people are communicating and the Wookiee grumbles, you know, the droid pauses and says, by the way, Chewbacca would like you to know that you smell like Goomba fish. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Reiterate a statement of someone who just stuck his foot in his mouth. Uh, love it. Of course. <laughs> that's awesome. Love it. So that's I Live to Serve You. Now, the next personality type that I think is a lot of fun to role play with this type of droid, we would call... Um, of course I live to serve you. <laughs> Which is uh, an interesting RP option for the third degree droid. You're smart enough to use your general bearing and publicly accepted demeanor to your advantage. Okay, This is extremely common for a protocol droid who has a hidden agenda. Ah, okay? Such as one who's been put into the position of being a spy. Okay, uh, Of course. Or an independent droid. Um, who is eager to hide their "quote unquote" malfunction? Right. <laughs> um, so, okay, if you play, and we're, we're going to come back to that particular personality type because that exemplifies one of our builds later on um, in the talk. If you're wanting to be this, you know, <laughs> yes, of course, I live to serve you. You know, but you really have your own agenda. What actions and personality traits can you take to exemplify that? I don't know. What do you think? Well, um, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of wrote down what I thought on the show notes. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I, are you talking about <laughs> inserting yourself in every interaction? 
That are, would you, be are you talking about uh, being super helpful, offering insight all the time, and to watch everything? Are you talking Ultimately, about those types of things? Those types of things. And that, that's it, yes. man. I mean, you know, be uber, 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 uber helpful. Always be there to offer advice. But your goal is not really to offer advice. It's to glean info. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're watching everything. You're, I don't know, you're pressing the advantage that you normally have. And, um, you know, the organics look at you as the ever helpful and loyal servant, right? Use that. Yes, use it to your advantage. When you want to get your own goals met, use the organics to do it. And and be eager to communicate. That means you're the talker of the party. Hmm. Yeah, so... Relish that role. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like it. So what does this mean in terms of play? Okay, so mechanically, playing a third-degree droid. Um, what do third degrees do really well? What roles do they occupy? What's the best way to create them? Ah, yes. Um, let's talk about creating a third degree droid. Now, we're, we're obviously against normal. We're going to touch on each of the three methods of droid creation and how best to use one to create your third degree droid. Not to. Um, actually, as we'll come to, two is actually... Two's not well, bad. Well, it, for, for this particular degree, it is more of a viable option than any other, but we'll come right. to why. Um, hit me up with option one, dude. Talk right. about custom droid creation. Option one, custom droid creation. We've previously covered that this can be really versatile due to your extreme flexibility in terms of customized accessories and core systems, but in terms of just that benefit, it's a relatively poor choice, and mostly because of a little piece of, of gear, the translator unit. Uh. A DC-10 unit will eat up your entire 1,000-credit uh, accessory budget on its own. Ultimately, this means that of all the degrees of droid, third degree stands to benefit the least from option one. But if you're going that route, you do have some third degree droid traits, such as plus two to to wisdom, plus two to charisma, minus two to strength. Relatively frail, you know, you've all seen C-3PO. But you're naturally uh, stronger willed, more observant, and more persuasive, and you're built to command social situations. Right. Uh, As far as droids go, you've got the normal traits. So it's really nice that you're adept at buttering up the mechanic in the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have a behavioral inhibitor. Um, out of the box, you are not allowed to intentionally harm a sentient life form. It limits you so much, but it should not be that big a deal because you're not designed for combat. It's not what you're good at anyway. Right. Uh, perception, deception, observation are your primary skills. And I would follow that with uh, knowledge skills, uh, specifically bureaucracy, galactic lore, and social sciences. As such, noble scoundrel are your only real class choices here. Yeah. Your best bet, start as a noble. I think the chat room's already screaming, noble, noble, noble. As a character who cannot attack, you'll be the most useful with a uh, massive skill list under your belt. So you're going to be a skill monkey. The talents are also superb for a support character. The hit points are bad, but, you know, that's to be expected. And it's, it's really the biggest hurdle for any third-degree droid. Um, the only real drawback to consider for the Noble is the inability to train in mechanics, which makes Scoundrel a more attractive choice in that regard. Mm. And if you expect to be repairing yourself, then a level in Scoundrel to train in mechanics is a wise idea. So um, I would uh, also take that if you were to see yourself going into the espionage area of diplomacy because uh, Scoundrel opens up stealth. Right. Yeah, which is... Uh, also nice when you want to avoid getting blasted into bits after a failed negotiation. Very true. Very true. Yep. So what about option two there? 
Okay, so option two, playing a standard droid model. Guys, we, we don't usually recommend option two because usually it stinks. Okay, useless non-heroic levels, terrible hit points, slow character advancement. But unusually, for a third degree droid, you might actually be better off choosing option two in some circumstances. Notably, if you don't have access to option three, <laughs> then you might consider playing an existing model to be even better than choosing option one. Why? One nice thing. That would be the translator unit. Yeah, that thing. Um, This single piece of equipment is iconic to the average protocol droid, but a player using option one has to spend their entire system's allowance on a DC-10 model, whereas certain existing droid models, such as the 3PO and TC series, among others, start out with a DC-5 unit. (laughs) That means that with an intelligence of 18, you automatically know every language and form of communication in the galaxy. You can roll a one, doesn't matter. Okay, you will still activate your translation unit. Yes, I speak that language. And that's pretty fracking cool. Yeah. I'm just saying. So if you, if you see yourself primarily functioning as a translator, consider playing a model with a DC-5 translation unit out of the box. The, the benefits may outweigh the downfalls. May. <laughs> Depending on your GM and the campaign he's running, right? Um, if you see a blaster bolt whiz by you, you know every encounter, um, probably not. And if option three is available to you from Scavenger's Guide to Droids, you should not even consider playing option two right. or option one for that matter. Yeah. So talk to me about three, dude. Stock uh, chassis. Yeah. Once again, this is our most highly recommended method of third degree droid creation. You have two options here, the Protocol Droid Chassis and the Service Droid Chassis. Both are on page 13 of the Scavenger's Guide to Droids. Both share a handful of common traits. Okay. Obviously, the droid traits that we went over before. Uh They're both medium in size with a humanoid appearance. Uh Both have six-square walking locomotion. Easy, versatile, very human. Very human. Protocol Droid Chassis. uh, The features here are unique to the Protocol Droid. Ability modifiers. So this chassis gets the same modifiers that the fir- the option one third degree droid gets. Plus two to wisdom, plus two to charisma, minus two to strength. You also have a hardwired design, so you're automatically trained in persuasion at the first level. No skill choice that you need to spend. No feat that you need to use. Bam! That just, you're just happened. You're just automatically trained in persuasion at first level? That's right. That just happened. Bam. Wow. You get a bonus feat. So you, you can select one of the following skill training feats at first level. Skill training, knowledge bureaucracy, knowledge galactic lore, or knowledge social science. Very, very cool. It's important to note that this is different from the hardware design, though. Basically, you know, you're getting a free skill, but you're getting it via a feat, which means you have to meet the prerequisites for the feat, namely that the skill in question has to be on your class skill list, so hence the noble thing. Yeah. Um... A bonus equipment for the protocol droid is, um, you know, aside from the normal droid equipment that, you know, hand appendages, vocabulary, processor, you get a DC-10 translation unit. Standard. For free. Hello. Bam. Hello. That's, that's excellent. Um, it's not as good as DC-5, but it's, it's, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. Now, the next chassis, the service droid chassis, um... I lose my minus. I use, I lose my plus two to wisdom. Yeah, so you 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 lose your plus two to wisdom. You only have a plus two to charisma, plus a minus two to strength. You're you know you're a good communicator, I guess, but you're not as naturally strong willed or observant. Um, the service droid chassis gets a, a bonus feat. Um, 
one of the following skill training feats at first level. Skill training perception, knowledge bureaucracy, or knowledge galactic lore. Um, again, you're getting that free skill, like Dave said, but you, you gotta, you're getting it via the feat, so you, you have to meet the prereqs for the feat. Um, and bonus equipment. Aside from the normal droid equipment, uh, you know, your hand appendages, processor, all that, you also get a tool mount. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. No translation unit, just a tool mount. Um, so, okay, considering that, what's our recommendation for option three, man? Bottom line, service droid chassis doesn't hold a candle to protocol droid chassis, and that is where it begins and ends right there. The mm-hmm. pair are pretty much identical, except the service droid gets um, the option of skill training perception and a free tool mount. <gasps> wow! <laughs> <laughs> Yippee. Uh, when you compare that to the boost of wisdom, the hardware design, the free translator unit, the protocol droid does get, uh, there's no comparison. Dude. No. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, protocol all the way. That's iconic in Star Wars anyway, so that's just where you got to go. Yeah. All right. First level, real munchkin could take their first level in soldier, you know, just for the, for the, for the hit points mm. and take a third degree droid talent that level. So, you know, hardwire design means you're still going to be trained in persuasion. All right, but that's a bad idea. Okay, why? Uh, you'll, you'll have very few skills. You won't be able to train and gather information, deception, or any of the relevant knowledge skills. And you'll waste your starting bonus feat because you can't qualify for any of them. Right. <laughs> right. So, okay. yeah, noble, scoundrel, need uh, remain your best options for the same reasons we talked about in option one. And be sure to amp up your charisma and intelligence as high as they will go because they are your primary abilities. <clears throat> gotcha. All right. So talk to me about talents. Okay. Um, third degree droid talents. Now, as, as we've discussed, the, the droid has access to a, a special talent tree specific to its droid class, uh, droid degree. These, these droid talents can be taken any time, similar to force talents, in, in place of your class talent. Uh, the third degree droid talent tree was first published on page 103 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide and then expanded further on page 26 of Scavenger's Guide to Droids. And we're going to talk about the talents for this tree found in both books. Both books. So, dude, I, for with with one notable exception, these talents kicketh butteth. Kicketh butteth. Uh, they kicketh butteth hardeth coreth. Nice. Um, oh, oh yes. Oh yes. So you start with etiquetheth. <laughs> Woeth, mamaeth. <laughs> oh man! All right, hit, hit me up with etiquette, dude. This this is a heck of a talent. All right, yeah. Now we talking. Protocol droids are designed to be masters of persuasion, right? This mm-hmm. talent exemplifies that. When you succeed on a persuasion check to change attitude, you adjust the target's attitude by one additional step. Okay, so when you're trying to take a computer up, you get to go two steps at a time. How about that? If you're using persuasion. If you're using persuasion to do it. Guys, yes. there is no other ability in the game that does this. You can send a hostile target to indifferent in a single round, and that's absolutely amazing. That's that's going from from I'm going to kill you. I have a gun pointed at your head. To I don't feel strong about you at all. I, I don't really care. <laughs> with a, with a single check, right now. Remember, you can only do this once during the encounter, so it's a massive benefit you, to a party. You can only do this once during right. the encounter, right? So I mean, I mean, because you can only use persuasion in that matter once in an encounter. But once you've done this, right it becomes a lot easier, I would think, for other members of the party to then attempt their persuasion right. checks. Exactly. So you've got one that counts for two, and then another and another, and all of a sudden he's, like, friendly. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is this is this is great, and I, I love this talent. I think it, I think it's the pinnacle of what a, being a protocol droid means. That's right. And th- there's nothing else like it in the game. You are a protocol droid, are you not? Okay. I'm not. Uh, what's next? Helpful. Helpful. Um, so you're you're designed to aid your masters in the best ways possible, and this talent represents that. Once a turn, you can use the aid another action to assist an adjacent ally with a skill check as a swift. Action. Normally, uh, normally this is a standard action, folks. You train your protocol droid and use computer or mechanics, and he can bend his role rather effectively, helping out the party technician while still having the actions to do something massively useful on your own turn. Like I don't know, maybe activating a nice noble buffing talent, or oh, I don't know, maybe taking the full defensive action since I only have two hit points. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. Very, very useful. I mean, if you're going to be aiding and that's your primary role in most situations, standard action. What stinks is that you can only do it with a skill check because if you could do it on an attack role, you would become a very, very, very almost broken com- combative character. But nice. another discussion. Yeah. All right, next is protocol, dude, and this is freaking awesome. You always succeed on attempts to aid another on deception, knowledge, and persuasion skills. No check required. You just do it. <laughs> So while you will probably be the one making the persuasion check or, or, or diplomacy, this means you can automatically grant a plus two to ally to an ally in any knowledge check, whether you're trained or not. That's nice. So couple this with rapport, and it's a plus five. Oh, I love the rapport feed. Couple this with the helpful that we just did, and wow, you're giving three allies plus five to the skill check each and every round. That's fantastic. Plus five. Boom. Oh, I love it. I love it. So protocol, helpful, go very well together. Yeah. And there's, a, there's some, we'll, we'll come to this in some of the other talents. It, it is a little unusual to me that a lot of these, because you know, the point of the protocol droid is, you know, oh, I'm here to help you, I'm here to help you, I'm here to help you. So there's a lot of stuff that helps with aiding another, especially on like diplomacy or uh, stuff like persuasion, deception. But often, often, I mean, what? As a protocol droid, you're normally going to be the one making those checks, not aiding them, yeah. right? Yeah, most of the time. Um. But in a situation where there are certain talents and feats that allow you to do a, a persuasion check as a standard action. Um, so if you use etiquette, which is the first talent we covered, which lets you maybe as a standard action, you persuade, move somebody two steps up the condition track. Then in the exact same round, you use your swift action to aid the next person that's going to persuade. Right. Well, that with rapport, you give them a plus five. Bam. You're talking about highly likely chance of turning someone from hostile to friendly. Or <laughs> in a round. In, 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 in one and a half rounds, yes. So that's insane. I yeah, love it. It's awesome. Um, the fourth talent in this tree, uh, Nuanced. This is a, uh, it's a nice little buffer talent uh, for a protocol droid thrust into that primary role of diplomat. Um, it's not super powerful, but it's nice. Uh, once an encounter, you can add your wisdom bonus in addition to your charisma bonus on a single persuasion check. Not bad. Not bad. When you need that extra plus two kicker, plus three, plus one kicker, whatever, it's okay. I would not go out of my way, bend over backwards and yeah. you know, all that to, to get this talent, but it's, it's, it's nice. If right. you, if you, I don't know what else to take. Well, here you go. Okay. Observant is the next one. Mm. So again, you're the ultimate diplomat, nearly incapable of failure. Whenever you would fail a persuasion check, you can immediately roll a perception check as a free action equal to the DC of the persuasion check. If you succeed, the persuasion check you just made is suddenly treated as if it were five points higher. 
That's <laughs> not bad. Nice. It's not. I mean, that, that's still that's got to be hard to pull off, though. Ah, uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah. you'd have to have your perception r- jacked up there. Yeah, because your persuasion is still going to be so freaking high. I know. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess it's one of those things that it, if I rolled super, super low, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's it. It's still going to be. I don't know. Still, but uh, it's it's a cool little talent. It's that's yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm sorry. Um, talk droid. Um, I, I, I love this, this odd little talent. Um, so, you know, as a protocol droid, what your, your primary function often is, is translation, right? Yep. When another character is using persuasion to change the attitude of a, another creature that does not understand them. So another character, one of your allies is trying to use persuasion on someone who does not understand them. And you are the conduit. In other words, you're translating for them when they speak you automatically grant that ally a plus two to their persuasion check. So a- as you're translating, you're kind of wordsmithing what they say in the other language. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I-, I think this is a really, really neat little talent. I think it's very flavorful. I guess that's why I like it. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, and finally, we come to Supervising <laughs> Droid. Supervising Droid. It's unusual. We don't like it very much. It's really kind of at odds with the primary role of the protocol droid, that of aiding organics. It has some pretty nasty prerequisites, and um, you have to be observant. And I mean, you have to have observant and uh, one other talent from the influence, inspiration, or leadership talent trees. Um, so this gives you three once per encounter abilities. Okay. All right. First being combat support when when aiding another. Droids attack as a role. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 let me start over. Rewind. When aiding another droid's attack role as a standard action, that's what I meant to say, <laughs> you automatically succeed. In addition, if you have a weapon focus with the weapon you're using, you grant a plus three instead of a plus two. That's pretty spiffy. Except for the fact that you're rarely going to be aiding other droids or wielding any kind of weapon at all. It might be useful for an independent droid, maybe. But, you know, still. Uh, Still. All right, director is the second one. So when aiding another droid's skill check as a standard action, you automatically succeed as long as you're trained in the skill. In addition, if you have skill focus in that skill, you grant a plus five instead of a plus two. Okay. Meh. How many other droids are you going to have in the party? Yeah. It's not common. You know, and if you're trained to focus on a skill, aren't you the guy that's going to be doing the the check instead of aiding it? I mean, seriously, you know? Generally speaking, yeah. All right, so the third one is instant action. You can give your swift action to an ally, which the ally can use immediately. That's not bad. It's not limited to droids, but there are other noble talents that do the same thing. Actually, in a better manner. (laughs) Yeah, so again, meh. I mean, there's there's noble talents that do the same that 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 grant actions more ver- in a more versatile manner for the same level of talent expenditure. That's yeah, that that, that stinks. I don't like that. <laughs> the Order sixty six podcast does not recommend the supervising droid talent. We do not. It is we not O sixty six approved. It is not. It is not Order sixty six approved. That's right. It, it is, is not Order sixty six approved. Oh, there you go. See, did you like that? I did. I, I gotta, I gotta get a you know a little a little liner to to fire off. <laughs> Son of a big a branding iron. 
not Order 66 approved. And right. then we can have one for Order 66 approved. I love it. Like love it's it. a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. Third degree droid builds. Let's talk about that. How do we bring all this together? What types of characters can you make with this varied info? As usual, we're going to present two build options for highly effective droid characters that want to epitomize being a protocol droid. Ah, yes. And um, talk to me about the first build we're looking at, dude. What are we, what are we calling this? All right, so the first one we call the Ted Williams. Who's Ted, who's Ted Williams? Ted Williams is the homeless guy that has these like enormous... Oh, yeah, the man with the golden voice. That's right, that's right, that guy. Okay, cool. That's the guy. I, yeah. We so, call it the droid with the silver vocabulator. Very nice. Uh, okay, so the third degree droid's most obvious role is that of communicator and diplomat, right? Yeah. Persuasion's your weapon. Your processor's more cunning than the wiliest of organic minds. This build focuses on using persuasion skill extremely well in a variety of different ways, both as the face of your party out of combat and a surprisingly effective droid in combat. To top it off, this build serves as a party as a as a, as a uh, serves a party extremely well by being a master of skills. Skill master. All right, so your base class. Base classes. Noble. Option one or option three. No, nobles are really only your only choice, right? The skill right. list is way too comprehensive to pass it up, and the skills you know are where you're at. So, you know, couple that with the free training and persuasion, free knowledge skill at level one if you go option three, and a first level protocol droid noble with a 16 intelligent can train in nine other skills. Oh, God. All right, this means it's deception, perception, initiative, gather information, use computer, treat injury, pilot, and two knowledge skills. Basically, you can do anything. Fly the ship, got it. Spot a hidden foe, got it. Find the location of Java's secret base, got it. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. The only thing you can't do, aside from those messy physical skills you have no need for, anyway, is mechanics. So it might be uh, nice to multi-class into scoundrel a little bit later. Uh, translator unit's also a must, and you should surely start out with one. So as such, amp, amp up your, your intelligence is, and this is necessary, not only to ensure more trained skills, but to uh, be sure that you can always activate your translator unit. Other than that, charisma should be your next highest ability with wisdom a close third. Yeah. Yep. So what about, okay, so obviously noble, scoundrel, base classes, obviously. Um, noble, obviously outshining scoundrel heavily. What, what talents are we talking about here? Well, you know, the noble's influence talent tree is the heart and soul of this build, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's where it's got to be. Your, your persuasion checks, you know, you, you're going to use those persuasion checks to, to decimate enemies of your organic masters. And that's what it's all about. Uh, presence needs to be the primary choice, followed mm-hmm. by fluster, demand surrender, and intimidating defense. Great talents. Yeah. Your persuasion checks will take uh, foes out of the fight or deny them actions. These abilities then need to be bolstered by third-degree droid talents, right? Mm. So each of which is going to make you a master of persuasion outside combat. Etiquette, nuanced, observant, all means you will change the attitude of others, possibly even stopping a fight before it starts. And if all that still leaves you with talents to take, then start taking the talents that bolster and aid your allies. Inspiration leadership talent trees you know inspire confidence you know i mean how about that man and and going back to the third degree droid talent tree you know talk droid helpful protocol yeah sorry yeah 
Okay, cool. What about feats? Feats? What about feats? I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, I from what you've said, I think it goes without saying that um, skill-focused persuasion um, should yeah. probably be the first feat you pick up. Sure. Um, after that, the distracting droid feat from Scavenger's Guide I think is really cool. Probably should be at the top of your list. Um, just kind of another way to use your persuasion check to deny your enemies their actions. And, okay, this might be a bit mundane. Uh, what do you think, man? I, I think considering how skillful this build is, you should strive to grab skill focus for every single skill you're trained in. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if you can do everything extremely well, I mean, that's just way too good to pass it up. Exactly. I mean, this is kind of a character build that can do almost everything. Want to do almost everything extremely well. Right. Um, <clears throat> after that, or instead of that, especially if you find yourself like getting into conflict frequently, I'd say do whatever you can to boost your meager hit points and your low defenses, right? Yeah. Um, anything to help you get out of harm's way. So what? Standbys, toughness, predicted defense, improved defenses, dodge. All three of the martial arts feats, um, which each give a plus, tasty plus one to your re- reflex. Um, impulsive flight, bad feeling, great, get me the heck out of here feats. Yeah. Uh, grapple resistance, ion shielding, logic upgrade, self-defense. Those are all, those are all excellent choices. Yeah. Rapport. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I guess, I guess if you're still stumped, you know, fall, going back to the, the noble-esque-ness of this particular build, and you find yourself aiding your party frequently, Rapport is a classic no-brainer, as is the quick skill feat. Love those. Awesome. So, okay, man, Pre- prestige classes. I mean, what are, we, what are we thinking here? Ah, uh, yes. Independent droid, always looming for a droid character, right? Hit points are and- great. Base attack bonus is great. But you won't be attacking anyone, really, or wielding a weapon, so... Not with this character, no. Base attack bonus sapiens really don't mean a lot. No. But they do have one talent that fits into this build, computer okay. language. Oh, computer language, that's yeah. right. You know, it lets you substitute your persuasion check for use computer, which that's is right. which would be fracking awesome. Yeah. But uh, other than that, independent droid really is a nice choice uh, for hit points, especially if you've got that uh, third-degree talents to pick up. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. Dude. 125 episodes, and you're not muting your cell phone. I know, dude. That's terrible. Dude, three years, and he's not muting. Three years, Gamer Nation, he's not oh, muting his cell phone. That's terrible. It's a- oh, God. I know. Sorry. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> but, okay. So, back to it. I mean, yeah, dude, if I hear what you're saying. I mean, independent droid for the hit points, if you can just, you know, waste those levels on your third degree droid talents, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe corporate agent. Dude, yeah, corporate agent. Yes. I mean, what if you're... Owned? Dude, if one of you you guys was playing a droid and you came to me and said, hey, I want to take corporate agent eventually, can I be a droid that's owned by a company? Can that make me an employee of the company? Can that make me... I would say, hell yes, that works. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, That'd be cool. I like it. So... So, yeah, bottom line, dude, you are the face of the party. Yeah. You know, a jolly mechanical face, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Your your quick words will pull the party out of the fire, douse the spark before it starts. Mm. You know, I mean, replace your DC-10 translator unit with a DC-5 as soon as you can afford to, or, you know, install one as quick as you can if you never had it. Right on. Um, When you encounter a hostile situation... You work hard to protect your masters and organic allies? Good lord. 
Dude, dude, double fault, really? I know. Well, that's the home phone, and the home phone never rings. Dude, I got to get that. Hold on. Go ahead with your bottom line. Oh, is that, am I going to hear you in the background or what? Okay, I take that as a no. <laughs> um, so, as Dave mentioned, you know, obviously replace that DC-10 translator unit with the DC-5 as soon as you can. Um, and when you're getting into that hostile, uh, you know, situations, you're going to work hard to protect your masters and your organic allies quickly identifying the leader of the group and attempting to persuade them. If they're unfriendly, you can actually make them your allies with a single check or at the very least, you know, close to being your allies. And even if they're trying to kill you outright, you can halt them in their tracks. Um, If all else fails and combat is inevitable, you can use your pleas and castigations to freeze enemies cold, force them back down, or leave a fight entirely. And if you're just bloodthirsty enough, perhaps with a level independent droid, you can simply deny them action after action after action or weaken their resolves, softening them up for your masters to demolish. In other situations, you're always ready to help repair the ship, talk to the computer, research complex questions, and give the pilot a rest at the helm. You are helpful, observant, and useful. And you live to serve. So, there it is. I'm back. Oh, you're back. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I just sent you, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll send you this in chat, but it was, it's not, it was not a very good person trying to get in touch with me. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, so, um. Next build. Yeah, why don't you start taking us through the manipulator there? Okay, I love this build. So, the manipulator. Now we're going to talk a completely opposite tact. Um, this next build is a third degree droid that eschews direct action in favor of behind the scenes manipulation of people and events. Now, much of the character choices are the same between these two builds. It's the way in which they're used that's the key difference here. Uh, manipulator might be a droid that has broken its own programming, no longer serving anyone but itself. The manipulator might also still be a diligent servant, but occupies the role of subterfuge for its master, maybe as a spy on an enemy ship. So let's, let's talk about it. Um, base classes, dude. Uh, for both option one and option three, uh, the noble and the scoundrel are the classes where you really need to focus your attention. Um, more so scoundrel than noble, but noble has some important points to note. Um, noble is fantastic for talents that can set you up to be your own boss, um, as well as making you a super skillful character. Now, scoundrel also provides a host of fitting talents and decent skills, as well as the option of mechanics and stealth, both of which are really must for the manipulator. Uh, charisma, intelligence remain your best ability scores here. A translator unit is not as key to this build, so the service droid chassis is a little less useless if you're using option three, but it still really doesn't hold a candle to the protocol droid chassis. Take your DC-10 unit and be happy. Bonus. Score. Um, all right. Talents. Let's start by talking noble, Okay. Levels in Noble are key for a droid that wants to become independent, but key people from finding out about it. This means having the resources to be your own master, making talents like wealth, connections, influential friends, powerful friends of a great deal of use to you. But the core of a third-degree droid is still communication, 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 and you will surprisingly want to move over to Scoundrel to epitomize that. 
Scoundrel has some great new talents that let you use deception and persuasion in creative and effective ways. Befuddle, seducer, stymie, revolutionary rhetoric all fit the concept extremely well. I'm also a huge fan of the outsider talent tree, which seems very tailor-made for this build. Talents like Oafish and Outsider's Query make you a highly successful persuader um, that you know doesn't look the part. Uh, couple those with third-degree droid talents like Etiquette, Nuance, and Observant, and you'll see the same collaborations we saw in the last build. Feats. Skill-focused deception and persuasion. Obvious. Um, as is distracting droid. But after that, things are pretty open. This build is all about manipulation and behind-the-scenes control. The same defensive feats recommended in the previous build will work, but also consider tech specialist and droid craft. If you are a droid that has broken its own programming, this is very fitting, as you'll want to continue modifying yourself and repair yourself quickly. Master of Disguise, another great feat that will help you maintain your mundane droid facade and natural leader can put you in a position to begin control of your very own syndicate or mercenary group. Yeah. Prestige classes. Independent droid, it's a must for this build. You, you can't very well swear, swear off your oblivious masters without it. Okay, You need sapience. Um, survival as a rogue droid, if you are discovered, is greatly helped by the normal benefits of this class, such as hit points, BAB, along with talents like repair self, soft reset. Modification specials also fits the bill. But the best talent in the class for this build is the Just a Droid talent. Great talent. It gives you a few once-in-encounter abilities that emphasize your shtick of appearing to be a, a normal protocol droid. After that, Crime Lord is where it's at, baby. Attract Minion will probably be your first talent and one of the times where it's really the most useful for any build that I've done because it's going to give you a ready-made organic meat puppet. <laughs> who everyone will think runs the show, despite the fact that he is totally, utter, unswervingly, and completely loyal to you. Um, you can set him up as the crime lord when you are the crime lord. The rest of the mastermind talent tree is gold as well. It lets you gather more minions under your influence and replace them easily. Uh, the impel ally talent's also very thematically fitting for this build as you're a character who directs others. Bottom line. You are out for yourself, first and foremost. You've moved beyond subservience, you're, but, but you're still smart enough to know that you look the part, so why not play it? Use wealth and connections early to develop an empire, using natural leader to start your own organization if your GM is cool with it. For all intents and purposes, you appear to be just another loyal droid, but no one has any idea of your true power or your true intentions. If you work within a party, you appear subservient, but take constant actions behind the scenes and use your abilities to shock and halt your foes or force your allies to take the blame when something goes wrong. In the end, you're just another droid, right? Right. So that's it. The manipulator and the droid with the silver vocabulator. I hope, um, I hope this, this look into third-degree droids has helped uh, uh, mollify a lot of your uh, questions and concerns regarding them. I think uh, these are some of the more flavorful talents out there for droids and some great build options for a really, really fun and effective character. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking about right there. But unfortunately. But unfortunately. All good things come to an end. Argyle Jedi, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He's been so nice. He's asked me twice now, but I promise you next time we talk about droids, we'll talk about fifth degree droids. He's been so nice. He's asking you twice. So nice. He's asked me twice. 
yeah. I even counted that as two requests and still like speed out and request to talk yeah. about third degree droids first it happens it happens yeah, so yeah. guys thank you all for listening um, of course uh, give us a follow give us a listen give us a call send us a, a liner tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast call the Lusa line at 206-600-5872 L-U-S-A Lusa head to d20radio.com slash forums or email us where d20radio.com that would be GM Dave at d20radio.com GM Chris at d20radio.com follow us on Twitter I'm GM Dave I'm GM Chris at at GM Chris and while you're browsing the webs head over to mapsandmastery.com let's get Chris's Kickstarter project off the ground funded and done these maps look too sweet not to own absolutely positively so with that Gamer Nation I say keep the dice rolling and I say peace love and good gaming this is D20 Radio's own Jonathan Stevens aka Donovan Morningfire on the forums and I'm hoping that my fellow members of the Gamer Nation had a Merry Christmas and a good start to the new year here's to hoping there's plenty of Star Wars Saga Edition goodness in the months to come as well as more episodes of the Order 66 podcast for us not to listen to. Long live the Rebellion, and may the Force be with you. This is Sneaky Arrow, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast.